Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. Well, welcome back to our Light Bears podcast as we continue to walk through our study of systematic theology. Uh, we're about midway through the semester, and uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about pneumatology. Uh, and those of you who are listening are wondering, what is pneumatology? Uh, simply put, it is the study of the Holy Spirit. And and as as we're thinking about who could talk about pneumatology, who could talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, we thought of no one better than a very familiar voice, Andrew Brill. Uh, and so, Andrew, kind of talk a little bit about how you constructed this when you taught. Uh, kind of what was your goal in, in teaching about the Holy Spirit? How did you construct it the way you did? Teaching on the Holy Spirit is, to be honest, it's, it's pretty daunting for me. Um, I grew up not really uh, talking much about the Holy Spirit, not really feeling like I knew much, to be honest. And so at some point uh, after coming to Christ, I basically said, I, I want to know this stuff. And so I just I went through, I grabbed a concordance. This is the days before BibleGateway.com, perhaps. It also sounds very Andrew Brill yeah. of you to grab a concordance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, I, I, so I basically, I looked up all the scriptures about the Holy Spirit, and over the span of I don't know weeks or months, just in my personal time in the Word, I just, I mean, literally, just made a list of what all uh, the scriptures said about the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I, I just that's the way my brain works, but it's just I found that very, very valuable for me. Essentially, I was building my own theology, um, and and obviously, I you know, you go and you check that against other people, and I read some books by people I, I trusted, but but I really started with just reading through what scripture said about the Holy Spirit. And so I, I kind of wanted to take the students through that experience a little bit. And so I, I picked six passages in scripture that talk about the Holy Spirit in at length and walked through each of those. And at the end, I pause and say, okay, students, what does this tell you about the Holy Spirit? And mm. so the hope is that by the end of that, by looking at six different passages in both uh, both the Old and New Testament, what you 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 actually come up with? Okay, here's what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. So, I wanted to shift it a little bit uh, off of, hey, here's what Andrew said, and and kind of push towards here's what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, and let them build that. And that's helpful of of because I think you're right of of this doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It's it's confusing, I think, for 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 a lot of us. But also, we sometimes just limit it just to gifts, and and so to do what you did to take, let's see what all of Scripture says more or less develop a theology systematically. Let's walk through and, and talk about what scripture says. So, so, so let's do that. So the, the, the passage you gave us first, this is Genesis one, one through two. So how do we see the Holy spirit present in creation there in, in Genesis one? Yeah. So, and, and part of the, what I wanted to emphasize there is just that the Holy spirit was present at creation. Uh, and so Genesis one, one and two is going to say, of course, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, but then, that's that's verse one. Verse two is going to talk about the spirit of God hovering over the waters, and so the idea there being that at creation the spirit of God was present, and and the word spirit there uh, in other places in scripture it's, it's translated wind or breath, and so really just kind of talking about the idea of breath and that it is a uh, breath is life giving and life sustaining, and so if you look at the beginning of creation, the spirit is present as a uh, life-giving and life-sustaining being force, yeah. um, 
And so we, we talk about that the, the entire Trinity was involved in creation, that God planned it, God the Father planned it, that Jesus did it and 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 the spirit sustained it gave it life and so and and it's it's really hard to you, you can't split it in that quite right. simply ways but uh but you get the idea and so that's where that's where you see see the holy spirit in, in genesis 1 is present giving life at creation yeah i i appreciated how you use this passage in genesis 1 and then you talked about he's giving life in creation physically and yet also tying that to, to spiritual life, right? The Holy Spirit, obviously, in our salvation is at work. And then we just see that continuous thread all throughout Scripture of, of where the Spirit sustains life, gives life, not just in Genesis, but praise God, obviously, spiritually. Yeah, and that's part of my goal in walking through it is you kind of, you build that case as you walk through Scripture. And so as a beginning point, it's it's pretty straightforward. The Spirit was present at creation. Yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about, so you go from Genesis and obviously there's, there's multiple other passages uh, that, that, that you could have gone to in the old Testament. You, you choose here, Isaiah 11. Uh, why Isaiah 11? Well, so again, this kind of goes back to my story of, of studying the Holy Spirit on my own is when you, when you look up all the passages that talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is present multiple times throughout the old Testament but he comes on people for a moment and then leaves. And so it happens multiple times in the book of Judges. It happens in Numbers with Moses that it says that God took the Spirit, put it on Moses, and then transferred the Spirit from Moses to the elders. Or the Spirit came on Samson for a moment and then left. Or the Spirit was on Saul, the king, and then left. And so over and over again, that's that's how we see the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament is coming on someone for a moment for a season for a task empowering them and, and then leaving in a sense uh and so so that was really really striking to me i haven't even, your question was why isaiah 11 i <laughs> answered by saying well let me tell you about a bunch of other things but um so basically um in isaiah 11 there's this there's this unique moment where it is is talking and and let me just read it if that's okay so it's isaiah 11 First couple of verses, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And so just that that idea of the Spirit resting on this person, and it's so qualitatively different from everything that has come before. Before, the Spirit comes on someone and leaves. Here, the Spirit rests on this mm. person. And then it goes and it says, The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. It goes, it goes on from there, but just the idea. So it kind of says what the spirit is like, but just this qualitative difference of everything that has come before and how this Holy Spirit has worked. And now there is one coming and the spirit will, will be present in him in a way entirely different from Mm -hmm. everything that has come before. And so I was using that to talk about Jesus because I, I wanted to just draw this point that, the Spirit was present at creation, but then with Jesus or in Jesus, the Spirit is present in a whole new way. Yeah. What would you say to, so, you, I mean, you, you give those examples of, of I mean, I think of uh, the, the builders, right, of the tabernacle. The Spirit comes in them for a task. Uh, we see this with, with and you reference this as well uh, in your talk, that the, the, the Spirit of the Lord was on Saul and it departed. And, and David sees that. And, and in one of the Psalms, he's like, oh, Lord, please do not take your Spirit from me. As we progress along throughout scripture and obviously here in this Isaiah 11, we see the spirit setting upon somebody. 
we move into the New Testament, and, and we'll talk about John 16. This is another passage you talked about. But what would you say to somebody who says, well, can the Spirit leave now? Uh, of It did in the Old Testament. What, what's different now, this side of the cross? The Spirit would come and leave. What do we do with that as a believer? Can the Spirit leave me again? It's a great question, and I think one that that I've wrestled with, that a lot of people have wrestled with over the years, and college students do today. I'm sure there were some sitting in the room while we were talking about it that were walking down that road. I think I think what you do there is you, you actually tie it back to some of the things that Libraries has talked about earlier in the semester in terms of salvation and the nature of salvation. And so the idea is uh, in salvation is not simply, hey, your sins have been wiped away, end of story. That is a huge piece of it, but but really even more so than, than that, that you're united to Christ. And so the Spirit is is evidence of the, of the peace in which we are united to Christ. And so because our union with Christ is permanent, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us is permanent. And, and the language throughout the New Testament is also, I mean, it's going to be a union with Christ. It's also going to be about new birth, that the Spirit has been put in us and has given us life. And so... Again, the language of new birth, adoption, family that the the New Testament is going to consistently use all points to the reality that the the Spirit is in us. It is a a guarantee of our salvation. Mm. It marks those who are are His. Mm. That's good. In your continual walkthrough is in your personal study, you camped out on John 16. Uh, The Holy Spirit described here as, as a helper. Talk a little bit about that passage. Uh, uh, what, what does that tell us about, about the Holy Spirit there in John 16? Yeah, so let me give a little context on John 16 first. So Jesus is in the garden with his disciples, presumably on Thursday before he is arrested. And uh, he's talking with them about a variety of things. And, and one of the things he says, he says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to leave you with another helper. So uh, Jesus is the first helper Helper, not in the sense of helping them do things that they could have done on their own had they had more time, but helper in the sense of they they need help. And so now the Spirit is their helper in a new in a new way. And so, in essence, what what Jesus is saying is he's saying it's it's better for you. Not in essence, he actually says this is better for you if I leave and if the Holy Spirit comes. And you start saying, well, why in the world? Would that be better? But then you, you think about what the Spirit does, and, and he actually says the Spirit's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit is going to guide you into all truth and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And so in these things, what he is doing, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return to heaven. I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to continue on my work. The Spirit has always been the sequel, in a sense, to the work of Jesus, continuing on the work of Jesus. And, and, and this is a point that I really wanted to draw out to students is the Spirit is always going to point back to Jesus. Uh, he's always going to glorify Jesus. I think over the years, a lot of times we have kind of split that apart a little bit. And so, and then we can get confused because we'll we'll hear people or see people doing miracles or, or, or whatever the case may be. And we, we struggle with what to make of that. Do we celebrate that? Do we criticize that? Do we stand off from that? And, and as Christians, sometimes we struggle with that. And I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to say, what's the connection back to Jesus? The Spirit doesn't do miracles for the Spirit's sake. The Spirit does His work in a way to point back 
to Jesus and, and, and how he saves and what he does there. And so that's really what I want our students to get out of there, of, of the Spirit is, is abiding in the disciples. It says that he will be in you, he will be with you. And so that God has done this incredibly gracious thing of giving the Spirit to his people in a way to continue on his work. Glad you mentioned that, as I think of Light Bear's college students, and I think of myself when I was a student of that passage you're, you're talking about in John 16 of Jesus saying, it's better for you that I should leave. I remember reading that growing up or hearing that in college thinking, that's crazy. Right? Jesus, God incarnate is with you and it's better that you leave. How could that be? Uh, and, and you talked in this too, of oftentimes we think of it's God, the father, God, the son, and God, maybe think the Holy Spirit less than, than God of obviously scripture does, does not do that. But this is where and we talk about this as light bearers, where biblical theology is our friend. If, if, if we follow this, this theme of God glorifying himself by dwelling with the holy covenant people, right? We see God dwelled with man in the garden because of sin that is lost. He dwells, he uh, tabernacles among his people. It gets a little better in the temple. And then we see Christ, right? He is tabernacling in the gospel of John uh, uh, among us. He, the, the, the word took on flesh and tabernacled among us. And this progression even further, that it gets even better, that now that Jesus is, is really fulfilling of the Holy Spirit will live in you, uh, not just dwell among you, but live in you. That, that that's, Of course that's better. This is, then we get to that, that beautiful scene in Revelation 20, 21, 22 of behold, the dwelling of God is with men, that this, it is truly better. And so uh, just kind of a, a quick little plug to, I know with Light Bears, talks about biblical theology and understanding the story of scripture. This is where biblical theology is your friend, because I would read this in college and think, why is it better? But, but we, we see this as the Lord's plan, that the, his spirit would dwell in us, as, as, as Andrew, as you're saying, guaranteeing our inheritance, sealing that, that Ephesians talk. Yeah. And, and I think that I, uh, and I talked about this some, that the spirit is described as a gift and mm. I think a lot of times we can treat the spirit as, you know, it's Christmas season. Let's think about gifts here for a minute. Okay. So as the gift that we don't actually want that much, you know, um, you have probably received in your life a gift that you didn't want that much, or, or maybe, maybe you felt like you should want it, but you didn't, you know, like socks. Yeah. Socks, a sweater. <laughs> great. You know, I've gotten gifts like that before that I look at and I'm like, I'm supposed to be happy with this, but I actually have no idea what to do with this. I would rather play with my Hot Wheels, you know, uh, still to this day. Is it? I mean, I like being a good Hot Wheels. <laughs> so, but the idea is that I, I my hope was that, whole, so that students would walk away from a conversation, a teaching on the Holy Spirit, thinking, no, this is actually a really, really good gift. And and even if I don't totally know what to do with this gift yet, this is a really, really good gift. And, you know, I mean, maybe a parallel would be if if your parents uh, or grandparents or somebody gave you a gift of stock in a company, you look at that as a four-year-old, as a seven-year-old, and you say, I mean, I'll take the bag of Skittles, you know? Right. But but the gift is far more valuable than you recognize. And the more you grow, the more you delve into it, the more you see what what huge benefit it has. And I, I think we do the same thing as Christians. Sometimes we pay way too much attention to gifts that aren't as valuable, uh, simply because we don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And and 
you know, and the opposite could be true of, you know, you could focus too much on, you know, if I carry out the analogy of the stock too much on, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go swing the pendulum over here and all I'm going to think about and be, you know, anxious about is, is what's going on with that stock price and that sort of thing. And no, no, I mean, it's not supposed to be in that sense um, that that is, you swing the pendulum too far that way. And we can, we can focus too much on the spirit when the, what, what has the spirit done? The spirit has, you know, empowered the word to be written to us. And so we need the word and he glorifies Jesus. And so we look at Jesus. And so to focus on the spirit to the extent of, of what he has given us is, you know, it can be out of, out of balance as well. So obviously there's, there's all a balance here, but I just, I really wanted students to walk away saying, this is a good gift. And, and that was sanctifying for me as well to think of the Holy spirit as a gift. Mm. And so we get uh, th- this gift of the Holy spirit in John 16, this, right? This, I will send you my helper. And then we see that, right? We, we see that happen as we're progressing along in, in kind of your systematic theology of the Holy Spirit in, in Acts 2. And so talk about now at this point in church history, right, as the people of God, why is that significant there in Acts 2? I mean, this is probably the, in a sense, the number one passage for the Holy Spirit in Scripture. It's the the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so uh, and it's, it is one that I've just come to love, to be honest. And, and so after Jesus returns to heaven, what he's, what he's done is he's told, the, he's told the disciples, he says, wait. And he doesn't tell them how long to wait. And then on the day of Pentecost, it says that they're in the room and, and a mighty wind fills the place. And again, that word wind, spirit, breath, it's all the same word uh, in the original languages. And so the spirit comes in and fills the place and fills the people. And so it's it's a it's a both and and it moves them to worship and it moves them to witness. And so it moves them out and worship and witness. And so they're worshiping and it kind of compels them out in, you know, in a sense onto the obviously I don't know exactly what it looks like, but onto the balcony in a sense, and, and it, it it kind of compels them out of the room in, in such a way that attention is drawn to them. And so all these people are coming and saying, What's going on here? All these people are worshiping. But what's remarkable is that they're hearing it in in their language, and so it's it's a time of festival, and so people are coming back to Jerusalem from from different nations, and so you know you've got people from modern day Libya and modern day Iraq who are there, and they are hearing praise to God in their language, and so that would be remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and so they ask what's going on, and so Peter stands up and he says, basically, what you are seeing here is the outpouring of the spirit. And this is what was prophesied in, in Joel chapter two. It's really this remarkable moment. And, and, and then he goes on to say, basically, and the spirit has come because Jesus came and was crucified and, and resurrected. And in context, I mean, remember this is, we read this as a, as a narrative from 2000 years ago. I mean, these were, these events were pretty crunched together. And so he is talking about something that happened just a couple months before. He says, two months ago, uh, Jesus was here, and you you crucified him, and you uh, you put him to death, and God was behind that, but you did it, and and the people say, man, what do we what do we do? Uh, and they are just it, it says that they're 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 shook by it essentially, and so what do we do? And and I mean, in short, we've killed. We've killed the Messiah. What do we do? And Peter answers and he says, well, you repent. Repent and be baptized. Um, 
But then there's this astounding point after that where he says, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and so it's this amazing, God's not going to destroy you. He's actually giving you a chance to repent and be baptized. But not only that, he's not only giving you a, uh, you know, a get-out-of-jail-free card, but he is throwing at you the abundance of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think that is some of what I wanted uh, students to get out of this is, again, salvation is not simply a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it is a, an abundant blessing and gift for all of the days ahead. And that is some of what the Holy Spirit offers in this life and in the life to come. So that's where that language of gift of the Holy Spirit comes from. It's actually what Peter says at the end of Acts 2. Yeah, we can, uh, I know as people, we can be oftentimes be so focused on on maybe the gift of tongues or, or even maybe the gifts the Holy Spirit gives. And we'll, we'll get into that in, in 1 Corinthians, but but the gift of the Holy Spirit himself of, of you're saying scripture has alluded to this, right? It's it's going to this moment. And I love how you tied, you talked about the Tower of Babel and how the Spirit came down in confused language for, for God's purposes. And yet here we see the Spirit bringing understanding through these languages that, that this is not necessarily a prescription of how all churches, but it's really describing this magnificent event, event that because of Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit has now come as a gift to dwell uh, amongst the people of God, and that's a beautiful, beautiful event. We have a lot of times in our culture individualized the Spirit, of the Spirit comes and dwells in me, and, you know, I mean, when I was growing up, there was a, a Newsboys song about the Holy Spirit, uh, and it was described as a circuit judge in the brain. Like, there's an individual Holy Spirit that tells you what to do. And there's a piece of that that is, that is true. The Holy Spirit dwells in us individually. But I think what you see in Acts 2 and in lots of other places is that the Spirit is forming a people as well. It's never just an individual work that he is doing. He is building a people of God, a people of all nations and cultures and genders and socioeconomic levels and all of those things. And so he is building that and he is transforming people. And so at the end of Acts 2, right after the Father sends the Holy Spirit, what do you see? You see people selling their possessions and giving to others and meeting each other's homes and more people coming to faith because the Spirit's at work in building a people. So the, the, the last two passages of scripture that you gave of with that gift of the Holy Spirit, and now we really, you talk about Romans 8 and then 1 Corinthians 12, which is a more familiar passage about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So now that we've received this gift of the Holy Spirit, and, and as you just alluded to, it, it changes us and, and it this law of the Spirit has set us free, Romans 8 talks about. And not only does it do that, but but it changes, right? It changes as it gives us certain gifts for, for the for the edification of believers and, and for the glory of the Lord and, and for the church. And so talk about that a little bit, Romans 8, why that passage, and talk about kind of now that we've received that gift, those who have placed their faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, what does that Spirit do? What do we see there in Romans 8? Mm-hmm. Well, Romans, if you remember opens with the the universality of sin and then moves to justification. And so how are we say, you know, all are, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Okay. Then how are we justified? How are we made right before God? And so by the time you get to Romans six, Romans seven, I mean, Paul's walked through that. And so Romans seven is actually wretched man that I am who can save me from the body of this death. So kind of a, okay, I had sin, I've been saved from sin and yet I still wrestle with sin. And and that is the that is the state of every every believer, and so Romans eight is going to essentially say, okay, now what? 
everyone has sin. I have sin. I've been saved from sin, but I still struggle with sin. Now what? And on some level, the answer to the now what is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it opens with, there's no condemnation. And then it moves forward into, okay, what, what is the provision that God has made to give us ongoing victory over sin? And the Spirit, one of the functions of the Spirit, we said the Spirit is life-giving, life-sustaining. One of the functions of the Spirit is to is to give victory over sin and to assure victory over sin. And so I talked about the idea that um, the Spirit assures us of victory, that the Spirit says that victory is coming, victory over sin, that, that, that you and I, are. we should never say, that's just sin that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. No, no, the Spirit says that victory is always possible over over sin. And that is not to say, and I, you know, I'm, I, every time I talk about this, I, I really want to draw out the point of, that's not to say that, oh, you should have no sin in your life or you're not going to battle sin for life. No, no, you will. You will battle sin your whole life. And there may be specific sins that you wrestle for for decades, for your whole life. And, and, and that is part of the journey of walking with Jesus. But there's a jump there to lack of hope or lack of confidence that because of the Holy Spirit, we should never make that jump. Because whether whether it is in this life or the next life, victory is secured, and, and the Spirit is what compels that victory forward. It says that if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, I mean, you kind of flesh that out, like, if if God was able to raise Jesus from the dead and he put his spirit in you and I, then he's going to give life to our mortal bodies. And so we are kind of pulled into that story in a sense. And so that's, you know, in that sense, what I wanted people to walk away with is, okay, we are in the age of the spirit, Acts 2. He's building a people. That's in Acts 2. How does that work in me and an individual? And and my hope is that students walk out with with a little bit of hope. To be honest, um, that they that they aren't just beat down with. Well, I'm just stuck in sin forever. No, I mean you are stuck in a in a world in which there is brokenness, and you have a you have a sinful nature. But you actually have been given the Spirit who can defeat your sinful nature at any given moment. And so again, I, I wanted our students to walk out with hope. Yeah. The 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 heart stance is not one of of maybe frustration or downtroness, but the the opposite. It's hope. It's confidence and, and really joy in what that spirit does. And obviously there's other New Testament passages. We think of the fruits of the Spirit as, as we become more loving and and kind and but the, praise the Lord, this gift changes us. And, and though, as you're saying, we struggle, uh, th- this should be an assurance. It should bring us a joy and a hope and, and not a despair. And, and that's a really good thing. Yeah, and because it is that God has sent us the Spirit and not just a helper, the Spirit is God. And so God has sent us himself to do this work. He hasn't just sent us a bunch of advice. He hasn't just sent us people to help us. He's actually sent us himself to do this as, as I mean, think of Philippians one verse six, that Paul says that we're confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion, that, that 
Holy Spirit will carry it on, that the Lord through the Holy Spirit will sanctify you to, to make you, as the scripture says, move from one degree of glory to the other that will make you look more like Jesus. And, and then you, you finished your, your systematic walkthrough with, with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I think a lot of us as, as believers, when we think about the Holy Spirit, we probably go to this a lot. And, 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 and obviously it's a great passage, praise the Lord. It's obviously God inspired. And yet at times I think we probably elevate the gifts that we receive as opposed to the gift of the Holy Spirit or maybe the gifts of teaching or, or, or maybe some of the more supernatural gifts of, of prophecy or tongues or whatever. Uh, but, but talk about this. If we have this gift of the Holy Spirit, why is this so significant? And, 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 and why should we understand this as, as believers here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Well, I think the first thing that we want to we wanna consider is that in this passage, it makes really clear that the, the Holy Spirit has given us gifts for the good of others, that the Holy Spirit is a, is a gift to us, and he gives us gifts that we are to use in the service of the church and the service of others. And so whether it's teaching, whether it's mercy, whether it's prophecy, whatever the case may be, and there's debates on, on, on what gifts are active in the church today, but what shouldn't be debatable is that the gifts are for the use of others. It says for the, the, the manifestation of the common good. Like, whatever I think God has given me, and, and actually you could, you know, you could extend this beyond the spiritual gift list here as well. I mean, 2 Corinthians 9 is going to say, whatever it is that God has given you, it is to be used for others. And and so this passage really fleshes that out in some real practical ways, things that the Holy Spirit has given, again, teaching, healing, mercy, administration, all these all these different things. And so that was the 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 couple of main things I wanted students to get. One is that um the gifts are for others, and the other is that the gifts should build up actually a sense of unity, that there is one spirit. And again, this is written in a, in a context in, in Rome where there's, you know, different gods, that sort of thing. But here, oh, that was the belief that there were different gods. Uh, here, what is, what is driven home is there's multiple gifts, but one spirit. And so we want the spirit to be something that unifies uh, rather, than, rather than divides. So, so we have kind of, I mean, say walk through these, obviously, other passages, but really from Genesis now to, to, to church in Corinth and first Corinthians, we kind of walk through uh, who the Holy Spirit is, uh, what the Holy Spirit does, why he is a beautiful gift to us as believers. What are, as taking all of these passages collectively with, with these passages in mind, what, what are maybe some, some, some falsities or, or, or some things you would say, Hey, in regards to the Holy Spirit, let's be careful not to believe this. Yeah, I think, uh, and I, I, I think about this sometimes with, with ditches. You know, the the two ditches that you could you could err on. One ditch is, and and people who are listening to this could probably identify which one is they're more in danger of. But one ditch would be, I, I don't really think about the Holy Spirit much. I don't depend on him much. I, uh, I don't really know what to do with him. He makes me nervous when people talk about him probably call him it rather than he, those sorts of things. And I think that that's a danger. And part of the reason that's a danger is because the Spirit is a really good gift that God has given you. And so we want to we want to depend on the Spirit. He is our helper. God has given us an incredible help in defeating sin, in building up unity in our churches, in helping us understand who Jesus is. 
why why would we want to why would we avoid that uh and so i think that's that's one danger is i mean i would encourage people to talk about the spirit even if that is i don't i don't really understand this i would say okay read some stuff uh read some you know uh jay packer wrote a book a few years ago called keep in step with the spirit and i mean there's good there's good resources out there um i know you you guys use um grudem's systematic theology which is a great that's a i mean he's got several chapters on the holy spirit so there's good places to start but but i'd also just say get in scripture and i would legitimately say ask jesus for the spirit i mean that's a you know i mean in uh in the gospels jesus says you have a good father and the good father gives good gifts ask the father for the spirit so i've done that at seasons just said lord give me the spirit uh, now I want to be really clear. One ditch you could fall into there as well is okay. I need to keep asking for the Spirit over and over again. No, when you become a believer, you've been given the Spirit. First Corinthians twelve says that Scripture is going to use language of you might be filled with the Spirit uh, multiple times. That happens in Acts. That doesn't mean in terms of like, hey, here's a here's a secret experience you need to go have, but more of an equipping for ministry or victory over sin, those sorts of things, a, a recognition of what God is doing and a call to worship. I mean, I think I think those kinds of experiences can and should happen to believers, uh, that they are filled with the Spirit. Um, so that, you know, that would be another ditch is like, hey, I need to chase after like a secret spiritual experience to, to really get the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. You have the Spirit. If you're a believer, everyone who is in Christ has the Spirit. I, I mean, Maybe I should have said that minute two, not minute 30 of this podcast. So that I think that's another one. And that, you know, so that would probably be the two ditches that I would say to avoid. One is avoiding the spirit altogether in thought and in deed and in fighting sin, to be honest. I'm just going to willpower this thing to, through. So avoiding the spirit. And then the other ditch is going to be um, chasing after the spirit rather than trusting that he has been given to you, that he works through the word, that he works through the church. And instead, I'm going to, because that's exhausting. I mean, and I've met lots of people like that, and I've lived in that a little bit of, man, I have to keep chasing down that next spiritual experience. I need the Holy Spirit, you know, whether that's music or whatever. I don't know. I need to go chase that down rather than trusting what has already been given to me. It, I mean, I think that's just a, that's just good wisdom for us as, as we listen to this of that there are ditches. It's, it's good for us to know where we fall. Uh, and just to reiterate your point of, of those who are listening, if you're wanting to study more of the Holy Spirit, and, and maybe this is something we can do, um, we haven't planned this, but something maybe later is putting out resources of, we've talked about a lot of topics, maybe some, I mean, you, you mentioned the J.I. Packer book, but numerous books and resources to, hey, if you want to study more of, of the Holy Spirit, look at these resources. But obviously, as, as what we've done, uh, just encourage you who are, who are listening, read scripture, do what Andrew did of of go from from Genesis all the way through and and make a study of the Holy Spirit and see how He works and, and and praise God praise God for the gift of the Holy Spirit and what that means for us as believers what that means for us as a church so Andrew thanks man appreciate you uh, walking us through that it's been it was really fun to do thanks for having yeah. me you've been listening to the Light Bears Institute podcast a production of Light Bears Ministries for more information visit lightbears.com dot